Good afternoon. Come on now. Good afternoon. God is good. And all the time. And that is his nature. I'm so glad I'm back home. Beza Church is home. Ethiopia is home. Are you ready for the word? As I was praying and telling the Lord to give me a word. I believe this afternoon I may not speak to everybody. But I'm going to speak to someone. I may not preach or speak to every single person to the crowd. But I'm going to be speaking to one man, one woman. And this afternoon's word is going to change you. It's going to make something to shift in your spirit. And from today, your life will never remain the same. I'm saying your life will never be the same again. And so as I prayed and asking the Lord to give me a word, I sense the Lord say, there is or there will be a visitation of the Lord over Beza Church. And Beza is not about the building. Beza is you. Beza is us. And so I began to feel God is saying, there is a visitation or there will be a visitation over this church. There will be a visitation over families, over businesses, over marriages, over, over finances. There's going to be a visitation. And so as I, as I dwelt in the presence of God and asking the Lord, God, how? I don't, want, I, don't, I don't just want to live here. There's going to be a visitation. But God, I want the revelation. How will it look like? What is it that we, we, I, I need to expect so that I don't miss it? And the Lord was faithful. And he, he put it into my heart that there is going to be a visitation by the God of the latter glory. Mm. The God of the latter glory is about or is visiting Bethesda Church in Jesus' name. I want you to tell your neighbor the God of the latter glory. Do this with me. Mm. The God of the latter glory. They need to wake up. Tell them again, the God of the latter glory. How many know that the God we serve is a God of the latter glory? Oh, the, my God, the God that I know, the God that I serve is the God who makes your latter days to be greater than your former. The God that we serve is a God who makes your, 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 your latter years to be greater, more glorious than your former years. If you don't believe with me, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 8, the Bible says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. That your end, after going through what you're going to go through, your end will be better than your beginning. I came to Bethesda to prophesy your end will be better. I came to prophesy your marriage will be better. I came to prophesy and say your business will be better. Your family will be better than where you began. I began to prophesy over myself, over the room, and I said, God, even this year before it ends, the way I began January shall not be the way I shall end December. I don't care how many days or weeks I'm left by, but I pray in Jesus' name, as I end the year 2023, it shall not end the same way I began because I serve the God of the latter glory. I serve the God who makes my, my latter days to be greater than the former. Tell your neighbor, my days will be better than the beginning. If you don't believe yet, Read with me John, uh, Job chapter 8 verse 7. Job chapter 8 verse 7. I believe it's on your screen. The Bible says that though your beginning was small. Though my beginning was small. Your latter end would be better, greater. Would increase apparently. I don't know who I'm, I came to speak to this afternoon. Oh, your beginning might be small. Your business might be small. Oh, the way you began might look small, insignificant. You may even feel you're a nobody. But I know I got a serve of the latter glory. The Bible says your latter end will be greater 
will increase abundantly. I will not end the same way I began. Our mom, who we are celebrating today, the book, at 80, she's doing bigger things she did at 40. What other testimony do you need that you serve a God of the latter glory? That some of you are going to be giving more than you ever given. Your business will go further than it was. Oh, your career is about to go to the next level. You thought you have a dream job. God is saying there is more. Right now, you're just mesmerized and happy with what you have now. And yet God is saying, hmm, that is former. What you have right now is already a past. <laughs> oh, what you're seeing right now and experiencing is already a past. And God is saying, listen, what I'm about to do in your life shall be greater. Job 42 verse 12. You know the story of Job. Wealthy man, rich, but loses everything because of the devil just wanted to question his faith. And he went through the process. He lost everything. But listen to what the Bible says of Job 42 verse 12. It says, now, tell your neighbor, now, the Lord blessed, say it with me, now, uh -uh, with, with finality and power, now, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Are you still doubting that we don't serve a God? Of the latter glory. That he blessed his latter days. More than his beginning. That's the God that I serve. Okay. Some of you have not believed yet. It was true with Ruth. She came from Moab. An idolatrous nation. But because she served. A God of the latter glory. God lifted her up. From an idolatrous line. And she made her to be part of the royal line of David where Jesus Christ came from. Oh, somebody say with me that my latter days will be greater and better than my former. God does not look at where you came from so that he can decide if he's going to bless you. If you believe the God of the latter glory, God looks and says, listen, I have a better future for you. I have better things for you. I have a better future for you. Better promises. Better things. Because nothing is impossible with our God. Ruth became part of the royal line of David from which Christ came from. Oh, can't I speak about Esther? Esther, the peasant, young girl, a nobody, somebody who could have become insignificant, who would have lived and died, and nobody would have known of her. But the God of the latter glory says, Esther, right now you might be insignificant, right now you might be a nobody, but I'm going to prepare you in the secret places where people will not see you, and I'm going to raise you up, and I'm going to position you so that you may save a generation, a nation. Why? Because God is the God of the latter glory. He looked at her and said, you know what? You may be a nobody right now, but your latter days will be greater than your former. I came all the way from Nairobi, Kenya to bring a message to somebody. Your better days are not behind you. Oh, your better days are not behind you. Your greater days are not behind you. Your better days are ahead of you. Oh, greater days are ahead of you. Greater favor are ahead of you. Oh, greater elevation is still ahead of you. You haven't seen anything yet. The best days of Bethesda Church are ahead of us. Oh, greater levels of influence are ahead of us. Oh, the growth. We have not seen any growth yet. Nothing. Because the God of the latter glory is visiting this church. 
There are marriages right now. God is saying to you, my sister, my brother, the better days of your marriage are not behind you. They are ahead of you. God is saying to a business person right now, the better days of your business are not behind you. They are ahead of you. Oh, somebody, God is saying your better days of your career are not behind you. They are ahead of you. Oh, somebody, God is speaking to you, to your ministry. The better days of your ministry are not behind you. They are ahead of you. Somebody shake your neighbor and say, I serve the God of the latter glory. Ooh, shake it, Laba. So today, I want us to look at the scripture that talks about the latter glory. The book of Haggai, I know you know that. And it was so, so shocking to know that this message is coming for the third time. And it's coming for the third time because when things have been mentioned thrice, they have been established. So today, God is just establishing this word. That the latter glory is is our portion. The latter glory will mark your life. Haggai chapter 2. Let me give you a bit of some context because I was asking the Lord, what what do I need to do? How do I need to position myself so that I don't want to miss? Because people of God, we may serve the God of the latter glory and still miss it. And still miss it. But very few, maybe. And I pray it could be all of us. That will not miss the latter glory. Will not miss the latter glory. The good things, the great things that God has in store for us. Because God is saying, you think you're blessed, there is more. You think you have a right, there is more. You think you have seen the promotion, there is more. You think you have seen the miracles, there is more. You think you have been blessed, there is more. There is more. There is more. Oh, tell your neighbor, don't settle for less. There is more. There is more. Say it with me. There is more. Because that's what the Bible says. There is more. So, the context of Haggai. You cannot, if you want to fully understand Haggai, then you need to read Ezra. Because Ezra gives us the details of the happenings and and the conversations and and the details of what was happening after the children of Israel were brought back to Jerusalem. And so the city of Jerusalem, as you all know, was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, you know, in 587 BC. And everybody was taken to, not everybody, but most of the Jews were forcefully deported to Babylon. Only a few were left to continue farming. But majority of the people were taken to Babylon. And they were there enslaved for 70 good years. And at the end of the 70 years, you know, through Cyrus, the Persian king who defeated the, the, the kingdom of Babylon, they were granted permission to return to Jerusalem. And this was after the fulfillment of the prophecies of the prophets. Because you need to understand the reason they went to Babylon. It was the consequences of their disobedience to God. God has said, you're not repenting. You're not changing your ways. And so God decreed and said, you're going to be taken to a land that is not your own. And here they are. Now after 70 years, by the masses of God, through King Cyrus, they've been given the permission to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls, because Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and took away the sacred things and took them to his palace. And burnt the entire city, burnt the entire gates and the walls. And now they need to go back and rebuild. But something was happening within the Jews at that particular time. People had a mixed response on God's, you know, uh, on the part of God's people. There were mixed responses. There were mixed moods or feelings. You know, there was, some, there was a group of people that were rejoicing by the virtue they are going back home to fulfill the prophecies 
that you know what you're gonna go back home and you're gonna rebuild the house of God and the gate and the walls of Jerusalem and you're gonna restore the city back to its former glory. They were happy. But the Bible also says in Ezra chapter 3, some people were weeping with sorrow. They were weeping with sorrow when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid. Do you know why they were weeping? They were weeping because they were rebuilding this second temple that was far more inferior to Solomon's temple in terms of beauty, in terms of grandeur. You know Solomon was not a guy who went 50%. Solomon was a guy who used to go all in. If it's anything to do with God, I'm not going to give 90. I will not give even 99.9. Solomon, anything to do with God, he will go 100. The full cost. And Solomon will not spare anything for God. And so when he was given the privilege to build the temple, boy, did he outdo himself. Oh, he did everything. He overlaid everything with gold. I don't have time. To talk about it, but it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a mansion. It was beautiful. It was a masterpiece. It was huge. And now the people are coming back and they're looking at the foundation. They're like, my goodness. They are comparing to what they saw. And they're like, they began to weep. Because whatever they saw was zero in beauty. Zero in value. Zero in glory. And all they could see was a temple in its, like, this is the same temple. That people will come and look at it and be wowed. No, it's nothing. And their hearts were discouraged. But God raises somebody called Haggai to minister to them and to encourage them. Because on top of the discouragement, that, you know, comparing it to the Solomon, also the nations didn't want the children of Israel to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city. They tried to sabotage. And they said, if you allow king, if you allow these people to rebuild their city and their temple, they're going to come and they're going to organize a coup. And so they discouraged them. They sabotaged the work of the rebuilding of the temple. They fought the children of Israel. And that's why in Haggai chapter 1, we see them abandoning the temple, the work of the rebuilding. If you read Haggai chapter 1, the Bible says, consider your ways. How can you live in, in, in paneled houses when the house of God is in ruins? Because they were like, oh. they were discouraged. They abandoned it. And 14 good years, the temple was uncared for. And so Haggai comes in and is trying to encourage, to motivate the people to renew the work of the temple restoration. And God knows our, our hearts. He saw how people were reacting. And he comes in in Haggai chapter 2 and we're going to read. And that's just the context. So I want you to understand why this word is so powerful and it's for us. The Bible says on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sietiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Do we have remnants in the house? Do we have remnants in the house? Ask them. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? It's like, I know you know. I know you know. You have heard stories. If you never saw it, you heard how splendor, the splendor of the temple, the grandeur, the value, the beauty that Solomon built. It's like, who, who was there? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? God is like, I know. I know. What you guys are building cannot be compared to what Solomon built. But now, somebody say, but now. Uh, uh, but somebody say, but now. God is saying, I know it cannot be compared. I know what Solomon built. Nobody can even try to do a quarter of what he did. But now, 
Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Beza Church declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, all you people of Beza, declares the Lord. And walk, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. God is saying, you forget, I am still with you. The presence of God is still with you. The most important thing is that the presence of God is still with you. I'm, with, I'm still with you. And my spirit, oh, remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. Oh, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house of the latter will be greater than the glory of the former house <laughs> says the Lord God Almighty and in this place I will grant peace declares the Lord God was telling them listen the glory of the latter house of this house shall be greater than the former I know it was big. I know it was marvelous. But you guys have not seen anything yet. Because what I'm going to do in your time shall be greater to what I did during Solomon's time. But there's something I want us to see. God never told them to build Solomon's temple. He just said, rebuild the temple. Because it's not about the structure of the temple. It is what the temple represented. It is not about the structure. It was what the temple carried and represented. And do you know what? It was the altar of God. He wasn't telling them to build the temple. He was telling them to establish the altar, the place of exchange, the place of covenant, the place when we come in, but we never live the same. God was saying, I want you to build an altar. But they were caught up with the minor things. Because God was never telling them to build Solomon's. He could have said it. But he said, just build the temple to represent where my name will be called upon and I'll hear you. Because the same God of the altar, when the altar was still intense, God still was still moving. When the altar was in Solomon's temple, he was still moving. And God was saying, the temple may look different, but the God of the altar is still living and powerful. The God of the altar can still perform miracles. The God of the altar can still restore and deliver. It may look different, but the God of the altar is still the same yesterday, today. So, so he tells them, rebuild. But they got discouraged. When they looked at the original temple built by Solomon, which was destroyed by the Babylonians, and when they compared it, they said it was like nothing. But the prophets encouraged them. And they began to build. And they began to build. And God came and said, listen, I'm going to fill this temple with greater glory. You know, I love the Bible says, God says, the former glory. It was still glorious. But there is one word changes everything greater. One word changes everything. Yes, it was glory, but now it shall be greater. And today I came all the way from Nairobi, Kenya to declare, you are serving the God of the latter glory. You serve the God of the greater glory. Oh, your business will grow to get greater glory. You will experience the greater glory. 
that the latter house will be more preferred to the former temple during the time of Solomon. But let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what in this story scares me. The children of Israel could have missed the latter glory. Like many of us, in as much we believe our, the bet, our better days are ahead of us, it's easy to meet the better, to miss the better days. It's easy to miss what God has in store for you in future. Because the problem in this story is that God's people got stuck in a past. They looked at what Solomon had built they got discouraged in the present and they lost, they lost vision of the future. They looked behind and saw Solomon, what he had built. Became discouraged of the moment of today. But they lost the focus and the vision and the glorious future that God had prepared for them. And some of us today in Beza. We are missing our future in God the more, the exceedingly, the abundantly, the above all, because we are still stuck in the past. You are stuck in the past, and the past is stealing your future. Your past is stealing. Your future. God has been prophesying in your life. Because I could feel as I prayed. Some of you have been feeling there is something big coming in your life. You have been sensing there is a shift happening in your life. You have been sensing there is a breakthrough. There is an openness. There is a freshness. You have been feeling since the beginning of the year. It's been, it's been confirmed. Many a times as you go for prayer, as you've been coming to church, you've been feeling it. I am on the verge of something big. But can I tell you, you might miss the moment because you're stuck in the past. You're still looking at what God did through Solomon and yet he's saying, forget what Solomon did. What I'm about to do in your life will not be compared to anything in Solomon's reign. Oof. Can I preach? Can I preach, yo? The past had become a heavy burden that hindered their progress. Their best days were ahead of them. The latter glory was supposed to be greater than the former. But they were on the verge of losing it because of a past. Beza, if we are to experience the latter glory of God, then today somebody needs to be righteously angry, intentional to move on from the good of the past and begin to believe for the best of the future. Oh, somebody needs to be ready to let go of the nice things so that you can experience the best of things. Oh, somebody needs to be ready to let go of the past and begin to walk in the promise of the future you have in God. It's easy to miss what God is doing and what he'll do because of being stuck in the past. You know, some of you are like, oh, pastor, what is this latter glory? The, the, the glory is not about a feeling. It's not about something of the Old Testament. The glory we are talking about is everything that has to do with God's character. Has everything that has to do with what God died for you. Oh, has everything to do with the favor that he has in store for you. The breakthrough, the greatness, the joy, the peace, the restoration, the healing, the deliverance. That's what I'm talking about when he says the glory. It is not a feeling. It is not sensing. It is the manifestation of God's character in your life. And God is saying, the latter glory of who I am, of what I represent, of the things I have in store for you, shall be greater in your life 
than the former. That what you have seen from God until today, the 23rd of October, you have never, you have not, you're just beginning. Just the tip of an iceberg. Oh, it's just press ups. God is doing press ups. <laughs> because what he's about to do is just saying, mm, we're just beginning. Knock your neighbor, tell them you serve the God of the latter glory. Today, my message is simple. God is saying, Beza Church, and because I'm Beza now, I'm partaking of the same. I'm, I'm flying out tonight with the latter glory. Ooh, people look at me from tomorrow and be like, what happened to you? It was not in Jera, it was the glory. Hallelujah. The food is great. The fellowship is amazing. But today, I'm going back with the latter glory. The ministry we are doing in Kenya and Africa will never be the same. The churches we are planting will never be the same. I am claiming a word for myself. Because God is saying this afternoon, I want you to move from what was to what could be. And many of us have been stuck to what was. There are four. In my notes I wrote four, but in the morning I got another revelation, I added five. But they are, they, people respond to their past differently. And in my life, not many years, a few years I've lived here, I have seen different responses to past. How you respond to your past will determine your present and your future. Because here's the thing, church, memory is so powerful. If you lose the gift of memory, what's that sickness called? Dementia. It's a challenge, right? When you can't remember people's names where you went. But memory can be a blessing or a curse. In as much it can help you to know what has happened over your life, it can also become the very thing the enemy uses to make you miss what God has in store for you. Are you with me? So, 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 the first group of people, how I see people respond to their past, are people who live in their past. Have you ever met people who always reference things in the past? Oh, we used to. I used to. Beza Church used to. Oh, our fellowship used to. The ministry used to. It's like they, they are living in the past. These are the people who believe the better days are behind them. That the present cannot be compared to the past. They are always talking, always dancing on the altar of the past. They live in it. Oh, I get tired. Yeah, I don't know. Pocky Pastor Z is a very gracious man. Maybe for him he has the grace. But sometimes I'm like, I can't. We can't continue living there. Because the God of the latter glory is a God of progress. He's a movement God. He's a motion God. He moves. He does not get stuck. He does not just, he's not a monument. No, he moves. Come on. But people live in their past. You're always there dancing around what God did. Hey, hey, every story. Guys, let me tell you 10 years ago. Or you go to another fellowship. Guys, let me tell you 5 years ago. And these are the people who are missing what God is doing. They are talking about an encounter they had 10 years ago. And yet God is releasing fresh manner, fresh encounters, fresh experiences. But you are still stuck to something that happened long time ago. It is good to remember, but God has more. God has more. God has more. But you're still living in the past. Always looking back. We want to do something new. Pastor Z, you know 15 years ago. Oh, we want to start. You know, Pastor Z, we used to. That's so Kenyan. It's the whole younger. The second group of people, they not only live in the past, they are paralyzed by the past. Now, these are the people, they may not be stuck living, but there is a bit of some movement. But they are limited. They are limited. 
in what they can become, in what they can do, or what they can have, in the way they can serve and give, because they are paralyzed by the past. Because anytime they try to go forward, the enemy uses something in the past to pull them back. They are paralyzed. They are not moving in the speed they need to be moving. They are not moving to the places they need to be. They are paralyzed. They are not like stuck, but there is a bit of some movement. But they need to be further, doing greater, experiencing more. But they are paralyzed. They are paralyzed. Something happened in their past. And they are paralyzed. They can't be everything God called them to be. They can't do the things that God has called them to do. They cannot give and serve the way God wants them to serve. They are paralyzed. Tell your neighbor, living in the past. I tell your neighbor, living in the past. And paralyzed in the past. Paralyzed by their past. There's another group of people that they're not only, that they're not living in the past. They are not paralyzed by the past. But these people, they escape the past. They try to do everything to escape. Have you ever seen those people in that WhatsApp group or Telegram group that they, they, they fake it till they make it? Oh, they will never show you where they came from. They will try everything to numb the pain of the past. They will try to cover the tracks of their past. They will try everything to escape from their past. It may look logical. To escape. But what you need to do is to confront. Not to escape. You recognize the reality of your past. But you recognize the truth of your future in God. You didn't hear the words. You need to recognize the reality of the past. It is true it happened. Nothing you can do to change your past. But then again, I can take that reality and recognize the truth of my promises in God. And I begin to say, this is not my portion. I belong there. This is mine. This is who I am. And you know what people who escape their past do? They look for things, addictions, to give them temporary relief from the past. They will drink to forget about a particular pain. They will do things to forget about the loneliness or something because they are trying to escape their past. The fourth group of people, there are people who live in the past. Say it with me. They live in the past. Come on now, Beza. They live in the past. They are paralyzed by the past. They escape the past. But the fourth group of people are people who learn from the past. These are the kind of people who look at the past and they say, I know when I did one, two, three, four, this is what happened. My action resulted into this kind of a consequence. So let me learn. Let me do things differently. Let me apply a different strategy. Maybe I need to tweak the idea. These are people who learn from the past. They look at it and say, let me adjust my life because I did it. This is the outcome. Now I need to do one, two, three, four. Differently. You learn from it. I learn from the past, the mistakes of my dad, that I may become a different father. I learn from the mistakes of the pastors who have gone ahead of me so that I may not repeat the same mistake. I'm learning. I'm looking at them. I'm not stuck in their past. But I'm learning from their past to become different and to become better. But there's another group of people. They not only learn from the past. They get inspired by the past. Oh, this group of people... When they come and look at their past, they get inspired. Their faith rises up. Do you know why? Because they look at what the Lord did. And they say within themselves, if God was able to do that, he can also do more. If God gave me this, he can give me that. 
Instead of the past becoming a stumbling block, oh, your past becomes the fuel to believe God for greater, to believe God for the supernatural, to believe God for the extraordinary. You look and say, if God can do that, he can do this. If he spared me from that accident, then no weapon fashioned against me will prosper. If he delivered me from that sickness, even this one is going to take it away. Oh, if the Lord delivered my marriage from divorce and separation, even now and tomorrow, he shall deliver my marriage. If he did that, he can do that. He can give me more. Better church, did I come to a church that is living in their past? Did I come to a church that is paralyzed by their past? Did I come to a church that is escaping their past? Did I come to a church that is learning from the past? Yes. But did I come to a church that is inspired by the past for greater? Tell your neighbor, my God is the God of the latter glory. You see, I know this word is for somebody. You have been sensing it. You have been feeling it. You have been sensing there is more. There is bigger. There is extraordinary. It's like you've been feeling like there is an ocean. I've been swimming in a river. But there is an ocean that God has prepared for me. It's like, it's like I've been living in a box. But God wants to give me an open field. It's like there is something, there is something unlocking. The heavens are open. I know this is your word. But like the, the children of Israel, we might miss it. We might miss it because we are stuck in your past. And for the next two minutes, I want to speak to somebody right now. There is somebody who came for this service. You are stuck in shame of your past sins. The enemy has been reminding you of your past sins. And even this afternoon, you came here loaded with shame. Loaded with humiliation. God has been calling you for greater things. But the enemy has been whispering to you, reminding you of the things you did in the past. God has been wanting or desiring you to worship him in spirit and in truth. To pray in an unusual way. But the thing that is holding you back is the shame of your past sins. You're stuck. You can't move on. You're paralyzed. But I came here by the anointing and the grace of the Lord Almighty. I came to declare your forgiveness is found in Jesus. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. He took your shame on the cross so you don't have to carry it anymore. Because God has the latter glory in store for you. It is your promise. But you are stuck with the shame. Stuck with the shame of pornography. Stuck with the shame of the past sin. I don't know what you did. But the enemy has been using it to paralyze you. Anytime you feel I need to serve more. I need to give more. I need to go out in ministry. I need to do something. The enemy reminds you but you can't. Can't you remember your sins? And you're stuck. And you're paralyzed. There is somebody else who came to the service today. You, 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 you. You, 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 the pain of past regrets. You made a bad decision many years ago. It affected your family. It affected your marriage. It affected your business. It affected your husband, your mom, your, your, your wife, your children. And every time you feel like you need to go back and change that decision. My brother, my sister, you have never moved on from that regret. 
Every time you remember the decision. And so instead of walking in faith, you have been walking in fear. You don't want to invest anymore. You don't want to, to take risks anymore. You don't want to try out things anymore. Even obeying the instructions of God, you can't because the moment you hear the, what God is saying, the enemy reminds you. But remember, you made the decision, you fail, you lost 100,000 bill, you lost the $10,000. And you're stuck. You're stuck and yet God is calling you for more. Because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please the Lord. And now the enemy is using your past decisions, regret to rob you of your faith. That you're meant to please the Lord with. Past regrets. There is somebody else who came to church today for you. It's the pain of the, of, the, of, the, of the past losses. You lost somebody many years ago. You've never moved on from that loss. You lost a father, a mother. You lost a marriage. You lost a business. Something you lost that was so precious to you. And you've never recovered. You're stuck. You're stuck. And you have never moved on from that loss. And yet God is saying the latter glory shall be greater. But the enemy is reminding you of the losses. And you have never moved on. We are in a new dispensation but you cannot move on. The last. There is somebody in this church. It is the past disappointments. You have been so disappointment, disappointed in your past Something happened. That relationship never matured. And you have never tried to do relationship again. You are disappointed by a father. So you don't trust any authority. You are disappointed by a leader. And so it is hard for you to become a follower. You have been disappointed by your parents. And so it has been hard for you to reconcile. A past disappointment. Right now. What is in your mind? What is in your past? Is it the shame? That has been keeping you from the latter glory? Is it the regret of a certain decision that has been keeping you from the latter glory? Is it a loss that you have never been able to overcome by the grace of God? Is it a disappointment that you have never been able to overcome and you are, you are living in the former glory? But also, the past, not everything in the past is bad. To some of us, the thing that is keeping us from the latter glory is past success. Good things that happened in your life. But you don't have the faith to believe God for more. You build a monument around your past success. Oh, when God is saying instead of becoming a, a, a movement, you become a monument. God is saying, I want you to go on and conquer new territories, conquer new mountains. But you're still there protecting the past, protecting the good things. As human beings, we feel good when we succeed. But can I tell you, the enemy of great is good. God is calling you for greater levels of intimacy with him. Greater levels of success. Greater levels of glory. Greater levels of promotions. Greater levels. But you're still stuck in your past success. Instead of believing God for more, but pastor, I am blessed. What an insult to God. So you think God cannot take you to the next level? Cannot do more? This afternoon, by the grace of God, I declare every shame that has been holding you from the future latter glory, may it fall off in Jesus' name. Every guilt, may it fall off in Jesus' name. I declare any past regrets, may they begin to fall off from your life, from your mind. I declare a deliverance, a liberation in this room right now. That whatever that has been holding you from the future, the latter glory of God. Oh, like the children of Israel looking back at what Solomon built. And you're going to forego and steal the future that God has in store for you. Whatever that is, it could be disappointments, it could be regrets. But I declare on this altar, you're going to leave them here in Jesus' name. So the question is, 
What should I do? One answer. Let go of your past. Oh, knock your neighbor. Tell them, let go of your past. Tell your neighbor, let go of your past. This does not mean forgetting. But it means you need to make a conscious decision not to fix your mind on the past. You are not forgetting. But I'm declaring, I am not going to fix my mind on the past. I will not be defined by my past. I am not my past. I am the future that God has in store for me. I am that future that God died for. I am that future that God has in store for me. I am that future because I, got this, I, I serve the God of the latter glory. And that's why every car has a bigger windscreen and a smaller rear view mirror. You are meant to look at your rear view mirror to give you perspective of where you are coming from. Just to make sure you don't repeat or knock or bump. But the bigger chunk of your time when you are driving is to look ahead and desire every promise, the glory, the blessings, the favor that God has in store for me. The devil may try to remind me where I'm coming from, but I can see my future. I can see the glory. I can see the power, the authority that God wants me to go to, to, to step into. That's why Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, he says, you know what? I have the titles. I have the stature. Oh, I am learned. But listen to what he says. Now, not that I have already obtained all this. I have already arrived at my goal. <laughs> but I press on. Bump your neighbor and tell him, oh, I press on. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. My brothers and sisters, Beza Church, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We're going to strain forward. We shall not miss the latter glory. We shall not miss what God will do in our generation because we are still stuck in a revival that happened. I don't know, 1919, I don't know, oh, oh. We are still there, there and dancing around a past revival. And yet God is already catalyzing a bigger revival in Africa. Better church will never remain the same. Africa rise will never remain the same. Your business will not remain the same after this sermon. Your ministry will never remain the same. Your marriage will not remain the same. Your career will not be remain the same. You know, you know, you know something, Pastor Sammy. God is a God of seasons and phases. Just because you're down now does not mean that is your end. You may be down now, but the next one, you're up. You may be a nobody right now, but Africa is about to discover you. Oof. You may be singing at Beza Church every Sunday, but invitations are coming. Every continent is opening up for you to begin singing prophetic songs that's going to gather people back to the presence of God. I wish I had a witness there. Somebody to say, that is me. Oh, right now I may be here, but I know the God of the former glory. Oh, I know my end will be better than the beginning. I know that my latter days will be better than the beginning. My God. My God. And so right now, I declare, every shame that is weighing you down, may it come down. I can't tell you better, any shame that is weighing you down, may it come down in Jesus' name. Every guilt from the past, may it come down right now. 
the regrets of the past, may they come down right now. Past grudges, may they come down right now. Strained relationship and resolved strife, may it come down right now. Anger from the past, may it come down right now. Oh, a mind consumed by dwelling in the past, may it be transformed by the virtue of this revelation of God's word. Oh, I declare right now, we're going to let go of the past. There is a couple. You have gone through a lot as a couple. But you have been sensing God wants to do something in your marriage. And that's why you're still there. But God is asking me to tell you this. Your key is to forget the past and let go of the past. Stop looking at that man through the eyes of his past. And begin asking God to give you a new set of eyes to look at him the way he sees him. Stop looking at that woman with the eyes of her past. Begin asking the Lord, give me fresh eyes, Lord, that I may see your daughter the way you see her. Help me to treat her the way you'll treat her. Help me to serve her the way you'll serve her. Because the breakthrough of your marriage is forgetting and letting go of the past. There is somebody in business right now. There is a prophetic moment right now happening. A business that was meant to be making millions of beer, even billions. But you have been stuck in a past strategy. Ideas. You can feel it that God is calling you to leave the ordinary. And to step out of the, of the usual. And step into the unusual. And I know the unknown is a bit scary for you. But God is saying... I have something bigger in store for you. The latter glory of your business will be bigger, but you need to let go of the past strategy and begin to ask the Lord, give me a new strategy that will catapult me to the next level of my business. There is somebody right now you've been desiring a deeper intimacy with God, to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, but you've been stuck in the past and God is saying, allow me, allow me past your past. Because God does not force, he's a gentleman. He's like, allow me, allow me past your past. And, and, and I, want, I want to do something. I want to, I want to transform you. I want to deposit something Africa has never seen. The world has never seen. But you have been limiting him with your past. Like the children of Israel looking at Solomon's temple and you have refused to rebuild the altar. You have refused to walk where God is calling you to obey his instructions and to obey his word. And God is saying, forget what Solomon did. I'm going to do something new. Begin to pray and inviting the God of the latter glory in your life. Open up your mouth. Begin to declare, begin to invite the God of the latter glory over your life in Jesus' name. I can't tell you my brother, I can't tell you my sister. Begin opening up your mouth, begin speaking in tongues, begin calling upon the God of heaven and begin to say, God, the God of the latter glory, you are my God. Define my business, define my marriage, define everything that I do. I can't tell you better church, open up your mouth. Somebody begin to pray, better days are ahead of me. Better days are ahead of me. Lay hands on yourself. Begin to prophesy. Begin to prophesy over your life. Better days are ahead of me. Oh God, I still believe there is more for me. Begin, begin to tear down the shame. Begin to tear down the guilt. Begin to tear down the regret. Begin to tear down the inferiority complex. Begin to tear them down. Begin to bring down the disappointments. Begin to bring down the disappointments. Yes, yes, walk around. Begin to prophesy. Begin to prophesy. Begin to prophesy. Walk around. I can't tell you better. 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 Oh, somebody invite the God of the latter glory. I shall be a better person. I shall be a great person. My God, I desire greater levels. My God, past the mindsets, we bring them down. 
past the mindsets, mindsets of inferiority, mindsets of failure, mindsets of, 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 of scarcity. We tear you down. We tear you down. Somebody begin to pray there is more. Somebody begin to receive the more. Open up your mouth and say, God, there is more. There is more in the spirit. There is more glory that is about to manifest. There is more blessing that are going to manifest. More favor. More favor. More elevation in the name of Jesus. May the latter glory manifest over Beza. I'm saying may the, may the latter glory manifest in Beza. May greater levels of favor and increase and prosperity, greater levels in the spirit begin to manifest from this hour. Greater levels of release of God's anointing. I am blowing the horn over Beza Church. The God of the latter glory will visit us. Will visit your business. Will visit your marriage. Will visit your children. Will visit the ministry. Will visit your career. Oh, we are not going back. We shall not settle for less. We shall not be stuck with the Solomon's temple and miss the latter glory. Come on, come on, open up your mouth. Can you do me one favor? Lay hands on your head. You are not going back to the same place. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your business, your career, your ministry, everything that is connected to you from today, it shall never be the same. You shall not think being motivated by the past or looking at the past and being limited or your greatness being sabotaged. From right now, I am releasing you that you shall be inspired by the pastor and you shall reach out and press on to the greater thing that God has in store for you in the spirit, the thing that God has in store for you, for your business and career, the thing that God has in store for your marriage and for your children. Any shame you have been carrying, it is dropping off right now. Any shame you have been carrying is dropping off right now. Any guilt you have heard is dropping off right now. Any regret, any disappointment you have carried from the past is dropping off right now. May your eyes be open to the glorious future that God has in store for you. From today, you shall look at yourself in the mirror and you shall see yourself through the great promise that God has for you. The glorious future that God has in store for you. From today, you'll think different. You will walk different. You'll serve different. You'll possess differently. <laughs> you'll love differently. You'll serve differently. You shall operate differently. You shall lead differently because the God of the latter glory is your God. If you read Ezra, you see the revival that happened. And the Bible says there was a shout that went so far away because of the revival. At the count of three, I want us to shout if you believe you serve the God of the latter glory. And some of you, as you shout, things will begin falling off. Because on this altar, we are leaving our shame, our disappointment, our regrets, living in the past. Just we, we shall not just be dwelling on the nice things. We shall begin aiming and, and focusing on the best. Not just on the good, but the great. Not just the great, but the, for the extraordinary.
when when your eyes are open to what God will do in the next few days after this hour you better be crazy the enemy wanted to steal your future he wanted you to live in the past he wanted you to settle for less if you believe the god of the latter glory is your god you better be crazy your business is moving to the next level your marriage is moving to the next level your ministry is moving to the next level your leadership is moving to the next level hey i am walking i am walking into the better days i am walking into my latter glory i am walking into a better future Hallelujah. You know, the, 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 the finished work that God provided for us and the, the salvation that we have, it's not for us to remain in survival mode, holding on until Jesus comes for us. But the very nature of that finished work demands of us an aggressive posture to move boldly into tomorrow, full of faith, wide open, full of vision. But for every step in the, in the future, God understands us very well. Every time when he talks about this in scripture, <clears throat> before talking about the coming glory, he addresses the past. You know? Do not dwell on the things which are behind. See, I am doing a new thing. So, so the first step forward is to properly close this door. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what is, and then pressing. You cannot do both at the same time. So I think some of us, even, even if there's any remnant of past spirit, yesterday's spirit, <coughs> in Jesus' name. So Father, in Jesus' name, we hear what you're saying today. Thank you for the details. <laughs> Thank you that truly our best is just ahead. Thank you that every spirit that has been lying to us about what is ahead has been buried this morning. And I thank you, Father God, truly the latter glory is our portion as a family. We take it aggressively, with force, with faith. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.